pinch and a punch for the first of the month, my friends, and no returns. That's right. But it's not the first of the month. It is a new year, of course, however. But there are no returns because we cannot go backwards. We can only go forwards. Welcome to the Parenting with Huddle Wisdom podcast. My name is Devin Tan. I'm a forensic and child psychiatrist. I'm also a dad. I'm not a parenting expert, but I like to share mental models and frameworks uh, to help parents make sense of their children and their sensitive children so that they can better navigate the challenges that they face. In this episode, I'm going to talk about how we can connect or reconnect with our kids in the midst of an emotional storm. You know, children are in full flight. They might be exhibiting behaviors associated with an emotional storm. And sometimes those behaviors uh, may create distance between us and our kids. You know, they shout, they scream, they yell. They, they, they have a complete meltdown, as you can imagine. And that can sometimes make it very difficult for parents to connect uh, on an emotional level or at least an appropriate emotional level with their children. Um, and then things might escalate from there if they're not able to um, connect. So that's what I want to talk about in this episode. By the way, uh, if you do enjoy the podcast and do find it helpful, please spare a thought and um, head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash huddle wisdom. Your contribution does go a long way, helps me to keep the podcast going. With that said, um, let's get into it. So can we connect with our kids in the midst of an emotional storm? Should we do it? How do we do it? And one of the questions uh, I get asked uh, a bit uh, now and in the past is that how do I stop my kid from having a meltdown? I laugh. I laugh. <laughs> I laugh. I laugh so much. It, you can't. You, you can't. You can't stop your kid. You can't control their emotions. You might get the sense that children may listen to you when you tell them to stop um, acting in a certain way. Sometimes they stop, but it's not because you've controlled their emotions, it's because they've suppressed them or something, right? You can't control them. You can influence them, and that is a, there's a, there's a distinct difference, control and influence. The influence that you want to have on your kids, in my opinion, is one predicated on a number of things. Trust empathy, sense of security. These are critical elements to uh, having a relationship that is going to make it easier. Can I, can I say easier when I'm talking about parenting? I don't know. Hope you know what I mean. Make it easier for you to... Um, Deal with problems collaboratively with your child. It's difficult to start off with, of course, because, because, right, children 
are still developing. Their frontal lobes are still developing. So you cannot expect them to think like adults. I, I know it's, it's something that I have to say because sometimes when us parents, we are so stressed, there's so many demands and expectations uh, bearing down on us because the, the world expects a lot. And um, there seems to be no respite. And so it's very easy for our cups to run low. And sometimes we run on fumes, which means we're not thinking straight in that state of low energy. And what do you expect would happen? Well, we start to do things automatically, like overreact. What happens is we react and then we feel guilty afterwards. We kick ourselves. Devin, then what, is, what are the things that parents need to have in order to reconnect with their kids when they're already running on fumes, right? How do you stay grounded? How do you connect in a way with your kid that doesn't drain you further? And the first thing that we must consider is how much self-care do we exercise? How much attention do you put on yourself? Because we are always running around looking after our kids and taking care of business, it seems so obvious that we should be looking after ourselves. I'm not advocating for selfishness, but I do think that it is appropriate to be selfish. You know those safety uh, presentations that flight attendants give, you know, as the plane's taking off, you know, when uh, I think the altitude changes and oxygen levels change, an oxygen mask might, um, might fall down from the ceiling in the fuselage. And the flight attendant always says, you know, you put the mask on yourself first before you put the mask on your kids. Now, most parents, their instinct is to look after their kids first. What happens if you, uh, you're unconscious because you're not getting enough oxygen? So we have to look after ourselves first so that we can then look after others who are more vulnerable than us, lest we become the vulnerable ones. The point is, it's very important for us to remember ourselves, to exercise some self-care. Do you remember me talking about the law of small numbers? If you don't, I will reiterate. How I understand the law of small numbers is... Oh, sorry, I, I wouldn't have discussed it here on this podcast. I would have shared uh, a reel on Instagram. By the way, you can follow me on Instagram now. If you imagine uh, your world being quite small, uh, a circle, a circular world, okay, being quite small, and say 25% of your world is problems. Those problems are going to feel uh, massive. They're going to have an outsized effect within a small world, small space. So if you expand that space, you expand the circle, you expand your world, the 25% of problems that existed before your world expanded, the effect or the impact will feel less prominent, less intense. How you expand your world will depend on 
your you know what interests you have what hobbies you have what are your passions what things light you up what edifies you the trick is though uh, to to keep the walls expanded because what nature wants to do is it wants to go back to to where things were and so we need to keep the walls stretched with structure that's what i mean by paying attention to the architecture of your life a lot of people, when they hear this for the first time, they start to grab at things and they say, oh, I like doing this. I'm going to try doing that hobby. I, tr- I, li- I like doing that. I'm going to do that exercise. I'm going to do that uh, meditation. That's all well and good, but you have to incorporate that uh, foundation's life structure, your architecture. You can't just grab willy-nilly and, and temporarily just do things. You have to build these things into your life so that it becomes a part of your life. Practice, habit, you know, so take exercise, for for example. The benefits of exercise does not show itself until you've been going at it for a while, right? The benefits compound over time. And that's the same with building structure into your life, the architecture of your life. You need to have structured activity that edifies you, that fills your cup. It's really, really important. In the self-ishness, you're actually also looking after those around you. You you have to give yourself oxygen if you're going to look after those who are more vulnerable than you. When your cup is less empty, it increases the chances of you being able to react and respond in a more adaptive way when your children are in the midst of an emotional storm. They still have to take some responsibility, uh, but it is your job to teach them what that responsibility is, depending on their age and stage of development and how much they understand. Yeah, that's fine, Devin. Okay, but what about now? What do I do now? How do I connect with my kid in the heat of the moment? Look, the truth is, you are going to struggle if your cup is empty. But if your cup is, uh, is empty, there are a few things that you could do to make it easier on you. The first thing is to, one, acknowledge and realize that your cup is empty. Second, acknowledge and realize that your child is having an emotional meltdown, not entirely of their fault. So that understanding is really important because it paves the way towards um, more accurate empathizing. It then becomes an issue of how you and your child are going to collaborate on solving a problem. In the heat of the moment, your child's not, not likely going to want to cooperate with you. So you're going to have to be the rational one in this, or at least semi-rational. Your job is is to get underneath the surface behavior and connect with the wounding that's happened to your child, the, the hurt, the pain, the frustration. Try and understand it. Try and understand it as part of, or sorry, as a result of a predicament that your child is facing. That this meltdown has happened because of a disconnect between their skill level and their ability to cope with the demands of the environment, pressures placed on them. So it becomes a predicament that is not entirely their fault, but it is part of their responsibility later on, once the meltdown has passed, along with you helping them 
to collaborate on how we solve the problem. And the problem is how do we um, how do we reduce frictional forces? How do we upskill you? How do we curate the environment, perhaps, so that demands and pressures and expectations um, are more appropriate for their age stage? So once you have done all the above, right? You, you, you've now got to batten down hatches and wait for the storm to pass. So after the storm has passed, okay, that is when the, 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 the fruitful work the more fruitful work can begin, in my opinion. But you've, you, you know, Devin, but I want to know how I reconnect my kid in the midst of a storm. This is, I, I thought you were going to tell me that. Look, you need to understand, in the midst of a storm, how much connection can you actually get with your kid when you are running on empty? No piece of advice, okay, is going to, help you out a great deal in that situation. There are things that you can do to lessen the, the intensity, but it's still going to be uncomfortable. So the work then of how you reconnect with your kid in the middle of a storm happens after and before a storm. You need to pay attention to the architecture of your life. You should also try not to fall into the trap of thinking just because a storm has hit, uh, this will not get any better, right? That's a trap. Because the fact is that you do not know what the future will bring. What matters is how you manage a situation now. The fact that is, though, that storms are inevitable. They're always going to happen. But if you can remember these sorts of concepts and these sorts of principles and you apply them daily, the frequency of storm cycles and the intensity of them will reduce over time. So you won't have to keep asking, how do I connect with my kid in the middle of a storm? Because it will become more and more obvious if you can practice these things and implement them. Make, make it a part of your daily reflection, your architecture. The benefits of this approach is seen over the long term. If you haven't already done so, go download that free training video huddlewisdom.com forward slash get tools uh, you know provides a structure for managing emotional storms i hope that was of some use to you my friends i will chat with you next time